evidence and answers. It seems today you can't say anything without offending someone or a group and being labeled a racist or oppressor. Scholars and historians are stating that there is a seismic, somatic, or verbal revolution, and that Western civilization is being hijacked and quickly unraveling. What is this verbal revolution all about? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucharin. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on our show, Pat and his guest, Dr. Doug Matthews, will discuss the word revolution and how it is reshaping Western culture and the church. Now with part one is our host, Pat. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the issues of today. While at the beginning of the new House session, Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and Rules Committee Chairman James McGovern announced new rules for the 117th Congress, which included sweeping ethics reforms, increases accountability for the American people, and makes this House of Representatives supposedly the most inclusive in history. And McGovern issued an announcement about changes to the pronouns and familial relationships in the House rules to be gender neutral and removes references to gender. So the terms that have been struck and will no longer be spoken are father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, uncle, aunt, first cousin, niece, husband, wife, and more terms that have gender qualifications or gender references in there. The terms would be replaced with gender-neutral terms such as parent, child, sibling, and more, and other gender-neutral terms that would not be offensive. Well, it seems you can't say anything without offending someone or a particular group and being labeled a racist or thisphobe or thataphobe. And scholars and historians are stating that there's a seismic, semantic or verbal revolution that's going on and that Western civilization is being hijacked and quickly unraveling. Well, what is this revolution all about? What's going on? Well, to help us address this issue is Dr. Doug Matthews. Dr. Matthews is Provost and Vice President of Academic Affairs at Asbury Seminary, an outstanding seminary there in Kentucky. He specializes in the areas of theology and culture, theological apologetics and ethics. He earned a MA from Wheaton College and a PhD from Baylor University. So, Dr. Matthews, welcome to Evidence and Answers. So glad to be with you. Love your work. Well, Doug, we're referencing an article that you wrote in the Christian Research Journal called The Crisis of Word and Fragmentation of Civilization. And you wrote that uh, we're in the midst of what uh, some scholars say is a seismic, semantic, or verbal revolution, and that civilization was being hijacked and was quickly unraveling. What do you mean by that? What's going on here? Yeah, it was 2017, and during that year, Time Magazine came out with a follow-up magazine cover to the one in 1966 that asked, Is God Dead? In 2017, they put on the front cover, Is Truth Dead? Well, I immediately began pursuing the copyright permissions to put that in a book that I was working on. And I also, it took forever, by the way, <laughs> to get Time Magazine approval. 
And then I also got an artist uh, to draw three more illustrations of how the death of God, is God dead, is truth dead, would, based on my understanding of theology and culture, lead to the following Time magazines in the, co- uh, in the future, Time magazine covers in the future. Our words dead is free speech dead, and is America, or America as we know it, are dead. That was 2017, wrote the draft for the book, and then I'm an administrator. I couldn't even get back to it until 2019. I finally came back and uh, finished the book in 2019, and then I was invited to write an article, the particular article that you're referring to in the Christian Research Journal, to do an assessment. And when I wrote that, it was before the pandemic, before the cities were burning, before the incredible fragmentation and unrest had reached unprecedented levels. And uh, in that book, I just brought a number of things together. On the one hand, I was sensing that the culture was spinning out of control. And on the other hand, I was reading through Scripture and noticing how many times the Apostle Paul and Jesus or even the book of Revelation in the Johannine literature, were trying to emphasize that deceivers or seducers would redefine terms in order to hijack or take over the church or basic Christian convictions or basic biblical convictions. And I think that's where that quote came from, a radio host that said that we're our culture and our words are being systematically hijacked by a global coup d'etat determined to overthrow the Judeo-Christian foundations of culture and civilization. And so those two worlds came together such that I concluded that we were in for some pretty, uh, pretty rocky times in our culture because literally every word was being redefined in the church and in culture and in law and in media and in entertainment and that was going to change our future, and that was going to eradicate Judeo-Christian influence, which would then leave, lead ultimately to the eradication of Judeo-Christian influence in culture, which inevitably means the death of free speech. And once that happens, that leads inevitably to uh, the death of America in terms of America as it had been historically defined as a nation that had been influenced by both Enlightenment values and Judeo-Christian values. So that's the very quick overview of how I arrived at the thesis of the article, that words were spinning out of control, and as people of the Word and the words in Scripture, we know how impactful they are on our lives, communities, culture, law throughout history, and that this seduction of taking over words was very intentional in order to change the words, change the lexicon of civilization, and therefore change the future. And I think we're seeing it play out before us, just like uh, today. Max Licata, or Licato, I've heard it pronounced different ways, they invited him to speak at the Washington Cathedral, and then three days later they had to apologize because uh, the woke crowd decided that because of his views on marriage and traditional family and biblical values, he should never have been invited. And so he should not be allowed to speak. Yes, uh, ex- you know, give us some examples of, of some of the Judeo-Christian words that are being undermined and changed. Indeed. The list is almost endless. I think the ones that the audience would particularly resonate with would be the term social justice. 
And uh, I've written quite a bit on how uh, social justice is a Trojan horse. And we all love justice, biblical justice. Let justice roll down like a waterfall. I mean, we're all committed to that. Christ took a stand for justice. But unfortunately, in our contemporary context, we have morphed from when justice in the 19th century, which led to the abolition of slavery, or the 18th century, in John Wesley's day, when the commitment to biblical justice led him to encourage Wilberforce to go back again and again to the Parliament until that dread practice of slavery should be abolished from the British Empire. Justice also encouraged what would be called 19th century Christian feminism. Back then, it wasn't about the extremes of today, but it was about treating women with respect and recognizing their equality before uh, God. And that now has morphed in our contemporary context into the phrase social justice, and social justice has been tied to every other term like inclusion, such that if you don't reject biblical morality, then you are socially unjust, you are lacking in compassion in some churches. Yes, churches, you're unbiblical, and you're not committed to biblical justice. And so this is, is just literally a domino throughout the language of our culture, and it's touched on things like the term civilization, which used to be something we aspired toward. Uh, toward. C.S. Lewis thought we should aspire toward civilization now, if you believe in civilization, that means you are an oppressor. Uh, truth used to have a norming effect for culture, and now truth is basically a matter of anyone's perspective, and particularly today, it's the perspective of a tribe, and there's no norm to judge the behavior of that tribe. That tribe simply defines truth as whatever advances that tribe, and hence we have a culture of uh, tribalism or the establishment of religion. That had a meaning in the colonial context, which attempted to avoid a denomination mandating the beliefs and practices of everybody in the country. Now that phrase has been morphed into saying that if you have any religious influence on culture, you're trying to establish religion and you believe in theocracy and you're a militant fundamentalist and you need to be silent. Uh, educational neutrality. In some ways, that phrase is related to toleration, and we want a culture where we can have different perspectives, and in the public schools, we can study different perspectives, but education neutra educational neutrality, again, has morphed such that if you hold to any Judeo-Christian values, that cannot be spoken, whereas most of every other perspective uh, can be spoken. And so we've gone from a culture influenced by the Ten Commandments, and then people said, let's be neutral. But when you remove the Ten Commandments, you don't end up with neutrality. What you end up with, and we're seeing it play out before our eyes rather militantly, what you end up with is another Ten Commandments, or in our case in 2021, a thousand other Ten Commandments that tell us exactly how to think, how to live, what to say, what we can't say, and now it's even pushing in to what we feel. We can't even feel or think certain things without being defined as individuals who need to be silenced and marginalized from society. So whatever, whatever term it might be, social justice, terrorism, educational neutrality, uh, the term Christian itself, pro-life, all of these things have been uh, morphing before us 
and changing the world that we live in and uh, marginalizing, if not oppressing, the Judeo-Christian influence that used to be so central to our culture. Yeah, you, you know, I was just having a conversation uh, with some students, and even the term evangelical now, Absolutely. you know, which used to be a, a, a generally a good term, now, you know, it's got a new definition. You're a white, middle-class, Trump supporter, oppressed, gun-toting, oppressor, of the lower class kind of uh, label that it's getting now. Yes, you're guilty and you cannot be proven innocent. Yes, and I think what you said, without a reference point of what is truth and a moral law, you, you know, you end up in tribal warfare. You know, whoever is the most dominant and most powerful is going to set the rules and define the terms here. Absolutely, it's very Nietzschean. Nietzsche, of course, was the philosopher that died in the year 1900 and was insane right before the time that he died, and they don't know if it was his philosophy or a sexually transmitted disease or some combination thereof. Uh, But he is, of course, uh, infamous uh, for talking about how the death of God would lead to essentially the death of truth and that there simply was no norm. And he he, uh, truly affirmed that not only was the norm disappearing from culture and society. Some people say that's all he said, but if you read him, that's not the case. Uh, He was going further and simply saying that there is no foundation whereby anyone can speak for what is true for all of reality. And he's kind of the patron saint of the 20th and the 21st century in many universities. And so we've really lost any type of uh, navigational plan or any type of uh, instrument by which we can determine what is up and down. Uh, I had a relative who used to fly Air Force Two, which is just Air Force One that flies domestically, and pilots talk about vertigo. You know, you you think you're flying right side up, but you're actually upside down, and I think that really describes our culture right now. Or uh, the famous book, uh, Feet Firmly Planted in Midair, that talked about the relativism of our age. But my argument that I'm trying to push as people of the word in words that the fruit that we're seeing in our culture today comes from the root of something that we all know as Christians. The words of Scripture form us and shape us and frame us and impact cultures and communities. And when churches drift from that, that impacts the culture and civilization, and therefore there is no longer any influence in the culture and civilization or it's diminishing And the end result is the very, you know, forgive me for using a philosophical term, it's the very postmodern or ultra-modern quagmire that we see before us today. I have some colleagues that have wondered, you know, are we really in a postmodern age? Are we really in an ultra-modern age? And uh, I've tried to explain to them that the term postmodern may not be all that helpful, but we really are in an era uh, after the death of truth And just look at what's happening in D.C. Look what's happening in media. Look what's happening in entertainment. We're in a quagmire where there is no standard for truth or meaning or words or value, and everyone is spinning and deceiving and twisting to advance their tribal cause. And it's no wonder we are a culture in conflict that many say we're already in a civil war. It just hasn't completely reverted to guns and and, uh, physical force at this point. Yeah, um, have have you been surprised at the intensity, scope, and and speed of the cultural conflict and fragmentation and and decay that you're seeing in our 
country today? <laughs> well, uh, you know, to quote Karl Barth, the theologian, you know, ja und nein, uh, yes and no. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, intellectually, intellectually, I'm not surprised because, again, in 2017, everything told me that in the church and outside of the church, we were going through those categories of death of God in 66. We had moved to a death of truth in 2017, which was inevitably going to lead to the death of words, which would inevitably lead to the death of freedom of speech, which would inevitably lead to the death of what we have understood and previously defined as the American experiment. So on the one hand, intellectually, I sensed it was accelerating greatly and that we were on the precipice. On the other hand, probably the combination of the COVID pandemic and how many opportunists used that, um, emotionally, I don't know how anyone cannot be surprised by what took place in 2020. <laughs> Things just moved so fast that it was, uh, it was almost uh, stunning. I think even some of the more radical left neo-Marxists, uh, uh, Marxist critical theory individuals have almost been surprised by how much of an advance they have made. Uh, some of the non-traditional family and morality groups, I think, have almost been surprised by how much they have accomplished in such a short term. So on the one hand, I'm not surprised. On the other hand, emotionally, uh, it's almost breathtaking, or uh, you could say it's, uh, it's uh, the wind blowing your hair backwards strongly, uh, and, and you're a little bit stunned at what's taking place. It's I guess, you know, as as a surfer, you know, you see the wave coming and then you know it's going to be a big one. But then suddenly it's upon you, it just crashes on you and you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Kind of thing. That, that That's kind of what I feel like now. Why is it seeming to come to a head now or, or it's so intense now? Well, my my read on that and the reason that I and the reason that I thought that this would uh, be fleshed out in the decade that we're currently living in is because I'm really into education. Obviously, I'm a, a you know provost, vice president, senior vice president. I've given my life to education. Education changed my life. I was a skeptic. I went to a Christian college only to play sports. My uh, father said, you can go anywhere you want, but if you want some help, I want you to go to a Christian college. I argued with everybody. Uh, I came to faith. Uh, Christ changed my life, and I love education, and I've seen how it transformed people. But, you know, like anything, it can transform people for for good, or it can tra transform people for ill. And uh, I was just convinced as we were moving uh, into the latter, you know, 2015, 16, 17, going towards 2020, that everything that I was seeing taking place in universities, which is where so much of this originates, was coming to fruition. These more, uh, I, I would call them, uh, you know, ultra-modern, or uh, if you want to call them progressive, or they're not traditional liberals. Oh, my word, they're way beyond that. They're not classical liberals. They're, they're radical post-Christian, almost anti-Christian liberals. And, and they've had two generations in the universities and the prestigious schools and even a lot of those colleges and universities that were the colonial nurseries of piety that Edwin Gaustad talked about, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, all of these institutions that send out the teachers that guide the K through 12 and send forth the leaders in media and entertainment and law. Two generations, two generations of, I'm sorry, it's indoctrination. I sat in a state university class and for the first two weeks in Illinois sitting in that class, it was propaganda and indoctrination 
against the Judeo-Christian perspective. That's the only way to describe it. You do that for two generations, and you're going to have uh, the fruit. And so much what was taking place in those uh, universities and schools is that they were redefining every term, every concept, every idea. And so I was just convinced that uh, we had reached the critical mass point. And I do believe we are at a critical mass point. If things don't change in one generation, then I'm not sure that the American experiment as defined originally is going to survive, you know, into the next uh, century. So uh, it just seemed like it was all coming to the head. I do think that the COVID in some ways was the gasoline on the fire, but there was already a pretty good bonfire. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, you, you know, you predicted that we're moving from what Oz Guinness referred to as our ABC moment to an AJC moment. And, and what did you mean by that? Yeah, I, I love Oz Guinness, and most people do. I'm not saying I agree with, you know, everything that he has said, but he's a cultural commentator. And uh, just a number of years ago, he was uh, doing a, a little article interview with Billy Graham's magazine. And he was saying, uh, particularly in view of the European experience, which now we're emulating in some ways, of course, in North America, that we had uh, reached this ABC moment, this anything but Christian moment. You can you can kind of believe anything and do anything, oftentimes in the public schools, but the Christian perspective, media and entertainment, that's the one thing that will get you in trouble. That's quite a flip, you know, from uh, the original American experiment, but he was suggesting that. And as I was beginning to do my research and kind of gathering things together and, you know, the, the RCRC, the Reproductive Coalition, I, I see them singing This Little Light of Mine, kind of a Christian spiritual song that then became part of the civil rights movement, was, but was still connected to biblical metaphors. And they're, they're singing it and dedicating uh, abortion clinics to Jesus. That's a different definition of Jesus. Talking about this little light of mine, of course, coming from the Johannine language of the word and the light and the darkness, and they're using the term light uh, to talk about holding hands and praying as they dedicate an abortion clinic. It just became extremely evident that this metamorphosis was well underway and in advanced stages and that much of the culture uh, was on life support. So I do believe we've moved from that ABC moment to the AJC moment, which is anti-Judeo-Christian moment. And I think we now have moved from just occasionally picking on a Christian or being, you know, ridiculing a Christian or on the bachelor, making fun of the uh, bachelorette, making fun of the, uh, uh, the Christian that, that is one of the finalists and so forth and maybe occasional legal cases, like uh, cake bakers who are Christians, to a more broad-based assault. I mean, we have some pretty strong voices now wanting to completely criminalize entire major networks that don't agree with the consensus of the post-Christian, ultra-modern, anti-Judeo-Christian crowd. So uh, we, we really have arrived at quite the historical moment. But, of course, Historic moments are historic opportunities for the kingdom. Yes, you know, Oz Guinness at our apologetics conference here a few years ago, I think it was about five years ago, stated that this would be the crunch generation. And that, yeah, if we answered the questions and met the challenges correctly, Western civilization would survive. If not, he said that perhaps Western civilization as we know it would be coming to an end. 
I, I think you're absolutely right. And I have some uh, well-meaning colleagues, and I, I understand what they're saying. God will continue to advance the kingdom. There's tremendous growth of the church in the other areas of the world, what some call the majority world, or Southeast Asia, Africa. I understand that, but then I also counter and, and say to them, but don't underestimate the impact on the gospel and on culture if the American civilization, you know, with, with all of its flaws. I like what Niebuhr and Churchill said in one way or another, that democracy is the worst form of government on the face of the planet, except for all the rest. <laughs> We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcast like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucharak. <laughs>